loved hearing Stephen's harvest story. I wonder if you have one. Please send it in. We want to rejoice with you because of what God has done and build our faith as well. That said, would you bow your heart with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you so much because of your big heart towards us. I ask that as I teach that the power of your word would fall on the good soils of our heart. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I want to talk with you today about next year's harvest. Today is my final installment on this three-part series titled Sowing and Reaping. In fact, next week I'll be entering into a brand new series discussing the end times. You don't want to miss it. But open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. We've been learning that whatever you sow is what you reap. This intractable law that God's put in place, like the law of gravity, the law of, law of buoyancy, is the law of sowing and reaping. It simply states this, whatever you plant, that's what you're going to reap. Here's what, the, what Paul said in Galatians 6 and verse 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap our harvest if we do not give up. Paul is expanding the concept of sowing and reaping to help us understand that the seeds that we sow represents our thoughts, our words, our actions. Imagine if you want to reap a bumper crop of friends, then you have to practice sowing friendliness. You want to reap a bumper crop, a harvest of encouragement, then you need to sow seeds of encouragement towards others. In other words, what we learn from Scripture is this. Tomorrow's harvest is based on today's seed. I love what, Mar what Mary Morrissey, noted author, says. Nature herself does not distinguish between what seed it receives. It grows whatever seed is planted. This is the way life works. Be mindful of the seeds you plant today as they will become the crop you harvest. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been teaching you about the law of sowing and reaping. Remember, there are four laws that roll up to the big law of sowing and reaping. Law number one, you reap because you sow. Law number two, you reap what you sow. Law number three, you reap more than you sow. Law number four, you reap after you sow. And so we think about sowing and reaping. There's a whole host of things I want to reap in my life. And I want to reap in the life of our church. And I want to see you reap in your life as someone who follows Jesus. So the question I ask as I frame this topic of next year's harvest, here's my question. How can I best prepare for next year's harvest? May I offer you what the Bible tells us. Think this not that. In other words, Paul was helping frame the conversation and the practice of knowing how to prepare for next year's harvest by using the language that he draws from the world of agriculture and farming. 
One of the things that farmers can never do if they want a bumper crop or a great harvest, they can never be stingy with their seed. I want to take you to Paul's letter, his second letter to the Corinthian church. Let me set the backdrop. There was a major, major economic challenge and downturn going on in Jerusalem. So Paul reached out to the Macedonian believers. Corinth was the capital city. So his letter to the Corinthian, Paul requested these Christ followers to help out brothers and sisters in Jerusalem that they'd never met. They have no idea who they are. And the challenge for the Macedonians were that they were not so well off. But you know what the Macedonians did? They gave themselves first to the Lord. In other words, they're saying, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to think based on Paul's request? How do you want me to approach the need? And the most remarkable thing occurred that they did not see themselves as poor, but they saw themselves as people that were rich, rich in faith, rich in generosity. Why? Because God's grace worked in their hearts. In fact, let me take you to this particular passage so you can see how they were able to shift their perspective because they were able to think this and not that. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you should give as you have decided in your heart to give. You should not be sad when you give. And you should not give because you feel forced to give. God loves the person who gives happily. So Paul was shaping their thinking pattern when they're going to practice the law of sowing and reaping. Paul gently encouraged them to think in a certain way so they can become a recipient of a great harvest in their lives and they can be generous in their actions of giving. One of the biggest misconceptions we Christians see and experience and struggle with is this. We think that when we give to a local church or give to a ministry, we think we're giving away our money. And we don't recognize that it's not that at all. We're actually investing in the lives of people for the purpose of the kingdom of God being unfolded. So Paul was helping to shape the thinking of the Corinthian community by telling them, look guys, you, gotta, you, you have to stop thinking sad and start thinking happy. In other words, think this and not that. Now, Paul was telling them that there were two types of givers. Some givers are sad givers. Other givers are happy givers. I want to give you a little pop quiz to find out what kind of giver you are. Are you a sad giver or are you a happy giver? And you'll be able to answer the questions just by how I contrast the two. Sad givers give reluctantly. They are tentative and unsure. They lack faith and clarity about giving. Conversely, happy givers give joyfully. They're sure about the idea of giving. They want to give and they apply real faith when it comes to giving. Sad givers feel morally bound. There's this moral sense of obligation. They feel like, well, I'm supposed to do it. Oh, so let me give. Conversely, happy givers feel morally blessed. They are excited about the opportunity. They feel that this is a, a moral practice or a moral trait that's so befitting of a follower of Jesus. Sad givers give thoughtlessly. 
They give without any preparation. They just say, okay, what do I have on me now? A couple of bucks, that's it. No planning, no thinking. Conversely, happy givers give thoughtfully. They think about, they pray about, they deliberate, they, they, they look, they talk to their family, they get to a particular consensus where they're investigating all their sources. They think about their, their retirement accounts, they think about their savings account, they think about what they may have in their stock portfolio. And when they come to a place to say, yes, I want to give this gift, this is how Jesus taught us to give, to give thoughtfully. In fact, in Luke 6, 38, our Lord said, Give and you'll receive. You will be given much, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will spill into your lap. Here it is. Here it is about thinking thoughtfully. The way you give to others is the way God will give to you. In other words, think thoughtfully. Give thoughtfully. I remember this church was having a building program and at the end of the service a woman came up and gave the pastor a check it was folded and she said is this is this adequate pastor and without even looking at the check he said if it represents you and she paused for a moment and then she asked for the check back during the week two or three days later she came to the church office with another check and that, all, that also was folded. And she handed the check to the pastor and said, Pastor, is this sufficient? And without opening up, he asked her the same question. Does it represent you? She paused again, gave some thought, took the check back. It was $5,000. And she went home. A week later, she came and she handed the pastor a third check. And she said this, Pastor, this gift represents me. She's gotten the truth. This gift represents me. After prayerful consideration and thoughtfulness, this is what I want to give towards our building fund. And the pastor received it. And when he walked away, he opened it up. It was $50,000. See, the gift represented her. Generosity is not about the amount. It's about does it represent you? When you sow a seed towards the work of ministry, it's not necessarily the amount. The issue is, have you thought, thought have you been thoughtful? D does your gift represent you being a sad giver or happy giver? So you got to think thoughtfully. So I'm asking you the question, are you a sad giver or happy giver? In fact, let me continue to contrast the two so you can find where you are. Sad givers give grudgingly. There's a sense that the money is being taken from them, that it's almost without my consent, you took my money. Happy givers give generously. They see giving as an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of people. So when the people at Corinth were giving to the impoverished believers at Jerusalem, they gave generously. Why? Because they can just imagine the impact of their gift in helping their brothers and sisters live lives that are better in terms of economically. Sad givers think money is lost. They see money as leaving them. They interpret sowing as giving their money away. Conversely, happy givers think money is invested. They understand that though the seed leaves their hand, it never leaves their life. It goes towards their account 
It goes into their future and there it multiplies 30, 60, and 100 fold. This is what scripture teaches. Paul told that to the Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 15. The apostle says, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. Even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessity. Not because I desired a gift, but I desire fruit that accumulates to your account. I want you to see the teaching of Scripture. When you give, when you're sowing in the work of ministry, it never leaves your life. Though the seed leaves your hand, you're not giving anything away. You're investing in the kingdom of God. And the beauty about the kingdom, according to Paul's letter to the Philippians, is this. The gift that you give goes towards your account. God is keeping track. Why? Jesus gave us the answer that you may see your seed multiply 30, 60, or 100 times the amount. I want you to see we serve a God that loves us. So we learn when we think about next year's harvest, think this, not that. May I also show you what Scripture teaches? Plant this, not that. Seeds are your thoughts, your words, your actions. And we're always planting, so we must be conscious as to what do we want to harvest. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I bring again before you 2 Corinthians 9, this time verse 6. Paul says, remember this, the person who plants a little will have a small harvest, but the person who plants a lot will have a big harvest. Paul viewed the Corinthians' financial giving or philanthropy and their care for the Jerusalem believers that were impoverished, he viewed their giving as actual seeds, sowing seeds. And he was telling them, wait a second, guys, don't just sow in this haphazard, cockeyed, knee-jerk, shoot-from-the-hip kind of way. Give thought to what you're doing because plant this, not that. Because when you plant sparingly, you reap sparingly. When you plant generously, you reap generously. So he's telling us, you got to learn how to plant. I'm always asked the question, how do you know what to plant? How do you know how much to plant? I usually answer the question this way, does the seed represent you? Does the seed represent faith? Does the seed represent sacrifice? Does the seed represent generosity? I ask those questions, and you'll find when you triangulate the answers, you'll know exactly what you ought to plant. I remember I was teaching a series years ago on the topic of sowing and reaping. And I didn't know the congregation's circumstance or particular families. You never know. You just teach the Word and trust that the Word will work in the lives of people. I got a letter at the end of the series the gentleman said, I read, as you know, Pastor David has been speaking on sowing and reaping. This past Sunday, we were faced with a decision on whether to go to church or not due to the fact that one of our vehicles was in the shop and the other vehicle was low in fuel. In addition, our neighbor was joining us to church for the first time with her daughter. So we made the decision to go. My wife and I were currently unemployed 
and no health insurance, five children and a grandchild, and the only income is my unemployment benefits. And then he says, however, God never stops caring for all of us, and now he has confirmed again that he is faithful to his children. I continue, during the offering this past Sunday, my wife and I had to make a decision on how much to give, but found ourselves with only $60 to buy gas and food until my employment check comes later this week. However, my wife said to me, honey, sow a $10 seed. He writes, I immediately said, yes, ma'am, as all husbands should. Well, Tuesday evening, as we talked with our neighbor in our kitchen, the doorbell rang, and my son says, Daddy, there's a big truck parked out front. My daughter opens the door, and when I went to stand next to her, this, this driver comes and says, I have a delivery from you, from Stop and Shop. I asked the man, are you sure you have the right address? He says, is this 121? I said, Yes. He said, well, I have a food delivery for this home from an anonymous person. And so they bring in tons of food for the family. I want you to see that you have to recognize, plant this, not that. It's not about the size of your seed. It's about the size of your heart. It's not about the size of your seed. It's about your generosity. I want you to learn what it means to have your own harvest story like Stephen shared. You need to have your own harvest story like this gentleman that I just read about, he shared. You need to have your own harvest story. Why? So you can know that the God of Scripture, He's the same today as He was yesterday and as He will be tomorrow. We serve a God that knows how to create harvest for his people. But we must remember this, plant this, not that. Since Jesus is very clear on the fact that when you sow, you reap more than you sow, let's use corn math to illustrate. You didn't know corn had math, did you? Well, now you're going to know corn has math. Well, when you think about the concept that you reap more than you sow, one kernel or one seed of corn produces typically two large ears on one corn plant. According to Iowa State University Agronomy Extension, they tell us that the number of kernels per ear is approximately 1,000 kernels. So using corn math, the seeds from two ears of corn, or 2,000 kernels, would yield 4,000 large ears of corn or 4 million kernels. So my question to you is this. Will you choose to take your corn and pop it to make popcorn and eat it? Or will you sow your kernel of corn or your seed and watch it germinate and multiply? Now, I'm not guaranteeing you that one kernel turns into four million. I'm not saying one dollar will translate to four million. Don't hear that because that's not what I'm saying. That's ludicrous. That's anti-scriptural. What I'm saying, which is scriptural, is this. Whatever you sow, you'll reap. And if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. So I'm only standing on the strength and the anchor points of Scripture to make this claim that God loves a happy giver or He loves a generous giver. I want you to be aware of that. 
One of the things our church wants to see take place come 2022 is a bumper crop of souls. And so at the top of the new year, we're launching two new campuses. One is in the Poconos, Pennsylvania, and the other is in Passaic County, more specifically Clifton. Because in those respective areas, we've been reaching a lot of people for Christ, and we want to place a, a, an expression of Christ's church right there in the midst of it so it can become a community of believers and we can be evangelistic and receive a harvest. And so I want you to recognize that. So what I'm asking of you, as I've been mentioning for the past three weeks, is on December 5th, I'm going to stand in front of you and ask you, would you give the largest gift you've ever given as a seed towards the ministry of Christ Church that can help underwrite the launching of these two campuses? On a practical level, you're helping us launch two new campuses on a spiritual level, you're planting seeds towards your next year's harvest. And I want you to consider that. Pray about it. Think about it. Plan for it. And I ask that you would imagine with me, what would happen if we collectively gave gifts that were so generous, we amassed a million-dollar seed? You know what excites me? The possibility of reaching so many souls for Jesus because of your generosity. Let's trust God together that would plant a million-dollar seed come December 5th, beyond our tithe, above our tithe, so we can be able to see great things for God. I love what Jesus said in John 12, verse 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in, in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. So we're not thinking about getting seeds or getting your financial gift to grow a big church. That's not our heart. Our heart is to grow a bumper crop of new souls who are going to follow Jesus devotedly. And so I thank you for being generous come December 5th. May I also ask you, if you live in the respective communities where these new campuses will be launched, whether in the Poconos or in Clifton area, or you have family members that would love to be a part of that, would you consider being a part of the launch team to serve each of these campuses? Visit the website, ChristChurchUSA.org backslash campus launch, and you'll learn more about what it means to roll up your sleeves because a campus launch team is a team of men and women that are fully devoted to serve the needs of the local church so we can be able to gather in the harvest, end time army of Christ's followers. So I thank you for being a part of that. What we've learned already are two things. To reap next year's harvest, you must remember, think this, not that. Plant this, not that. May I also share with you this truth from Scripture. Celebrate this, not that. The law of multiplication goes to work when you sow seeds. We reap more than we sow. And when we think about it, the parable of the sower, where Jesus then tells us in Matthew 13, that the idea that, look, some, when, you, when, the, when the seed falls on good soil, soil that's rich in understanding the word, rich in faith in applying the word, rich in working through all of the conflicts that sometimes occur when the word in, 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 it just comes into contact with our lives. We let the word have authority. We let the Holy Spirit give us wisdom. When that takes place, Jesus tells us in Matthew 13, verse 8, here's what's going to happen, the fruit in your life. 
But some of the seed fell on good ground. That's you. That's me. That's us. That's our heart. There it grew and made grain. Some plants made a hundred times more grain. Some 60 times more. And some 30 times more. The seed produces a harvest. 30, 60, and even a hundred times what was sown. The question I'm asking is this. What should you celebrate when you reap a great harvest? And what we learn from Scripture is this. Celebrate God's generosity and not your prosperity. So I want to get my mind right. You don't celebrate having a full pocket or or bank account that explodes with, with money. Celebrate, God, you are so generous. That's what Scripture is teaching. Celebrate the advancement of the kingdom of God and not your personal advancement. In other words, let God be able to trust you with money so that money doesn't hold you and money doesn't own you. You own money. And God can ask you to do anything and everything. I remember in Bulgaria years ago, there was such a famine of the word. One guy went to a conference in a neighboring country and he learned a principle. The principle of sacrificial giving. You know, giving beyond what may make sense cognitively. And Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians 9. Read the entire chapter. It's amazing. In fact, back up and read chapter 8 and chapter 9, and you catch the concept of sowing and reaping. It's an act of generosity. It's an act of, act of self-sacrifice. It's sacrificial giving. The gentleman who learned the truth went back to his home church. And there was a problem there in the Bulgaria church. Wintertime, they hardly could fuel the furnace that was fueled by wood. Church didn't have the money, the means. And so they would, in essence, beg for wood. And they started praying for God to send someone wealthy to their community that would donate wood. The gentleman that had gone to the conference, he went to some other members and said, do you have wood at your house? The member said, yeah, yeah, I do. Why can't you give some of your wood to the church? First they froze. Because they're thinking that if I give to the church, I won't have enough. He showed them in 2 Corinthians 9 the principle of sacrificial giving, sowing and reaping. And little by little, each member began to trust the power of the word. And they started to give some of their own personal wood from home to the church, and the church had more than enough, and guess what? They also experienced more than enough. What am I saying to you? I'm saying that it must come a time when we trust the Scriptures, and we stand on God's Word, and when you work the Word, the Word will work for you. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 and 11. God gives seed to the farmer, and food to those who need to eat. God will also give you seed and multiply it. In your lives, He will increase the things you do that have His approval. God will make you rich enough so that you can always be generous. Your generosity will produce thanksgiving to God because of us. What a word. Paul was saying, look, when you practice generosity... It'll cause you to be able to experience God's generosity. 
And you'll find yourself being able to celebrate this, not that. What are you celebrating? You're celebrating that God honors his word. You're not celebrating your pocket being laden with money. You're celebrating the fact that God, you are worthy of all praise and all honor. What would life be like if you had your own harvest story as to God's magnificent generosity expressed towards you? You can't get your own story unless you do what Scripture calls you to do. And when God does meet your need and He gives you your next year's harvest, you would have learned this principle. You think this, not that. You plant this, not that. You celebrate this, not that. And when you do, you are now the recipient of someone who understands the power of God's Word. And the beauty about sowing and reaping, it's almost God empowering you with God-like traits. You have the ability now to impact your future by what you do today. You want to reap tomorrow? Plant today. You want to experience a great harvest tomorrow? Plant great seeds today. It is amazing what God does when we honor His Word. My prayer for you is that this week, as you deliberate and think and pray about a gift that you can sow on December 5th that represents you, and you look at all of what you'll do, and look at all of what you have, and look at all of your accounts, and look at what's in your house, and look at what's in your hand, and look at what's in your midst, and you come to a place where you're going to say, God, I'm going to give a gift that's going to help cause Christ Church to launch an expression in the Poconos and in the Clifton area so that we can win more souls for you, Jesus, starting in 2022. I so look forward to what God's going to do in your heart, and I celebrate with you, but I'm going to be mindful to celebrate this, not that. Not you getting wealthy, but you having a big heart towards souls. May I pray with you today about not only you growing in Jesus, but if you have never met Jesus, may I pray that you meet him. Would you bow your heart with me, please? And if you who have never invited Jesus into your life to be your Savior, pray with me this simple prayer right now. It's a prayer of salvation. Heavenly Father, I need you. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Wash away my sins. Change me. And help me to serve you all the days of my life, starting this moment. I ask you this. In Christ's name, amen. Congratulations. Thank you so much for praying with me. There's instruction on the screen. Follow the prompting because we want to help you anchor this decision to be a Christ follower. And may God bless you with such generosity that you'll always have seed to sow that you may be one that's a recipient of the harvest of God. Have a great week.